That was absolutely gorgeous. Thank you all so much, so much. Jesus was an incredible teacher. And while he frequently spoke to the masses, he also spent considerable time just having one-on-one conversations with people. He was particularly kind to the individual. John's gospel account that we read today reveals one such incident. The story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman is unique in that it's one of the longest documented conversations of the gospels. And in the culture of the time, speaking between an unrelated man and woman was definitely taboo. Not only that, but Jesus was a Jew and the woman a Samaritan. They were from different religious and ethnic groups. John even plainly states there in our scripture, although it would have been obvious to folks that were living at that particular time, but he says, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. When this was written, most Jews and Samaritans believed that that situation was ordained by God, so they were supposed to be separated by physical proximity, and they were supposed to be enemies. That was how God had intended it. We also find in the verse prior to our reading that the time is about noon. This is also really unusual because typically women would gather with other neighbors, other friends, and they would all go to the well together either in early morning or at dusk. You can imagine them sharing the stories of their lives, the gossip maybe, some questions that they had on their mind. But she goes alone. Noon was the hottest time of the day, so she knew no one would have typically have been at the well. Was this her plan? Many have speculated about why she came at such a lonely time. Scholars suggest she was isolating herself maybe trying to avoid the disapproving looks of her neighbors, maybe didn't want to hear the comments that they had to say under their breath. Maybe she had a bad reputation for being divorced five times. Maybe all those husbands died. Maybe it was grief. Maybe it was shame. All we know is that she went there alone and was certainly not expecting company. So when Jesus was there, and asked her for a drink of water, you can imagine her shock. Samaritan women were believed to be unclean, and nothing could be shared in common with the Jews. She would have understood that if he had taken the water from her jug, he would have put himself, he would have placed upon himself being an outcast. But as their conversation continues, he reveals information about her life that he should never have known. And then he reveals to her that he is the Messiah, as she was asking about. But what I really love about this story is it seems like such a simple conversation, but it has a profound impact on the life, not only of the woman, but also of her neighbors in her community. She left the town in the middle of the day as an outcast. She was focused solely on the purpose of getting water. But after encountering Jesus, she leaves her jug at the well. She leaves with a new purpose. She had come to the well, isolated, trying to avoid people, and now she's returning to her village, seeking people out. She's so excited to share what she's learned, what she's experienced. And the story continues after the reading in the bulletin with the Samaritan woman telling her neighbors about what she had experienced, about meeting the Messiah. 
And many of her neighbors go back with her to the well, and they meet Jesus, and they experience him, and they believe. They have a transformational experience, and they invite him to come back to Samaria and stay for two days, and he does. It's incredible. This Samaritan woman is a fantastic evangelist. So, as we go through our Lenten, our church-wide Lenten study, discussing evangelism, many of you are participating in that. It's unbinding your heart. And in it, the author, Martha Grace Reese, she's performed a whole bunch of research on lots of churches, so 12,000 congregations, 49 denominations across all 50 states and in eight countries. And one of the questions that she asks is, what brings people to a church for the first time? Think about that. So let's see, the most frequently answered response to that is, survey says, it's you. 60% of the people came to church because someone invited them. I think that this is extremely important as we consider our own community of faith. Many who come for the first time have no idea what to expect when they come through these doors. Others have been so hurt by their faith traditions that they're not sure if they're ready to let those walls down and risk being hurt again. Some of them, it takes a few times to actually make it through the doors. They'll drive by the first Sunday, just kind of take a look as they're passing. Maybe the next Sunday they make it into the parking lot and they still watch people coming and going and just trying to see if they can see themselves. Maybe the third time before they get up the courage to actually walk through the doors. If we can reach out to others and invite them here, it would make all the difference in the world. So once we, now that we know that what uh, makes people come here for, or come to churches for the first time, let's take a look at what Martha's research says makes them come back. And the number one reason that people say they return to a church is because of the warm welcome that they receive from the congregation. So it's you again. <laughs> I'm starting to see a pattern. The main reason is whether or not someone said hello to them, made them feel comfortable, asked them about their lives, went out of their way to get them a bulletin, held the door open for them. New people know if a congregation wants them to join them on the journey. So let's see if Martha's research also apply to our church here, Resurrection. One of the questions on the pastoral search committee's congregational survey was, which of the following were factors in your decision to attend or join Resurrection MCC? The number one reason, with 57% of the survey participants selecting that option was predominant LGBTQ population. However, warm welcome had 56%. <laughs> and I, can, I, can, I have a pretty safe bet that predominant LGBTQ population was not on Martha's survey. So yes, you are the reason that people come here for the first time. You are the reason that they keep coming back. When we talk about it's about all of us when we say that, we mean it. It is about all of us. So this week as I was praying about and contemplating the message for today, I was trying to be present in my life, trying to think about how can I find ways to share my faith and just experience and share my life. 
This past Thursday evening, my husband Darren and I, as well as Sabrina and Maddie, we went to Lone Star College in SciFair and we participated on a panel about marriage equality. Um, it's their Pride Week, so they have different things going on every evening. They have a workshop, a panel, a film discussion, things like that. And there were several religious leaders that were there on the panel with us. We had Rabbi Haas from Temple Emmanuel and Adam Robinson from First UU. I introduced myself and briefly discussed a little bit about the church, saying over five, we have over 500 uh, each Sunday, and about 98% of them self-identify as LGBTQ. And all the kids gasped. I, I just was really shocked that I realized that they didn't know that a place like this existed. Students asked questions about our marriage in California. That's where Sabrina and Maddie were married as well. Others asked about immigration and adoption rights. And when Sabrina answered the questions, most of the time she included Resurrection MCC. It was part of the story. And I just wish you could have seen how she shined every time it came up. I cannot express it to you. It was the most beautiful thing to see all that love and how excited she was about this place. I thought to myself, now that's how you do evangelism. She wasn't trying to convert. She wasn't laying guilt or blame. She was just sharing this incredible story of her life. And if I had been the one in the audience listening to that, if I had never been to resurrection, I would have made a beeline to this place. I would have wanted what she was talking about. After the panel ended, about six kids ran up to us and they wanted to ask about the church. Several of them had never heard about it before. They asked if I had anything about the church and I handed my business cards and my On the Journey magazines that I keep with me in my car and in my trusty black binder. <laughs> but some of them had heard about it. One student said that he came out to someone in high school, to a guidance counselor, and he said, I think that they attend Resurrection MCC. His name is Mr. Shelton. And I said, Lynn Shelton? <laughs> sure enough, it was really neat to see. And one of the girls said that she had come to the church when it was on Decatur. She might have been eight years old or so. She came with her lesbian moms. Everybody was excited about coming back for a visit. So that was Thursday night, and the next morning on Friday, I woke up and had several new Facebook friends. <laughs> Later on on Friday, had the day off and was uh, out enjoying the weather. Darren and I took our dogs uh, to a little neighborhood park that's just down the street from our house. And we were holding hands, talking about the previous evening and just how awesome it was to see these kids all excited about coming to church. The weather was great. We just were totally enjoying ourselves and just really trying to relax and be present and have a, have a fun day. And as we almost got back to our house, there was a truck that pulled up next to us. And there was a woman inside that was kind of waving out at us, and we both looked at each other, you know, to say, do you, do you know who that is? So she stopped and got out of her car, and she asked us about the breed of our dogs, and so we were talking to her a little bit about that, and she was playing with the dogs, and she mentioned that we were such a cute couple, and that she missed looking, she missed having a sense of community in her life. She said she missed living in Montrose. So at that point, Darren said, oh, are you family? And she said yes, and Darren suggested she come to Resurrection and check it out. She said that she had been once a long time ago, and she said that over the last few weeks, it had been on her mind, and that even this, this past week, she had seen an obituary for Jane Winslet where the funeral was being held at Resurrection. 
So she took out a piece of paper and wrote down Resurrection MCC on it, just as a way to remember, I need to get to that place. So after we met, she was just really excited, and she just said, you know, I have to come. I'm going to be there soon. It turns out that she works as a security guard in the little guard house that's in our subdivision, but it's not one that we, we, ever, that we pass to get to our house. So she's seen Darren walk past the guard house plenty of times with the dogs or when he's going to the gym. But it was the day that the two of us were out there just holding hands. That's when she decided to get in her car and chase us down. <laughs> but there's so many ways to have conversations about our lives, about our faith, about our church. Sometimes words aren't even required. Just like I said, we were just holding hands. And as I thought about having conversations and how we can make a difference in this world, I remembered a video recording I had of my grandmother, Nanny, from a few years ago. She is just such a lovely person, and she shares her faith, um, sometimes in quiet ways where she simply lives the example of the gospel. She shares this love with the people around her every day. Let's take a look. Well, it's the same way with that kid that was out here that time. I walked out the door to go for my walk, and here was this young boy, I would say maybe 14, 13 or 14. And I said, oh, is there something I can do for you, fella? And he said, no. He said, I think I'll run away. And I said, oh, I think we better sit down and talk about that. <laughs> I sat right down here on the sidewalk, my feet out in the parking lot. Uh, we ch I didn't mention church or none of that stuff at all. I just talked about communication and that so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, so uh, he said, after a little while, I, I must have sat there 30, 40, 50 minutes, uh, 40 minutes anyhow, he said, I believe we'll go back home. I said, well, I think that'd be a good idea. I'm going to go on my walk, and mm -hmm. nice to see you. Went on my way. And uh, a couple weeks later, as I was going my round up that way, this young fella came out and he said, wait a minute. And he said, aren't you the lady that sat down on the sidewalk with me that day? And I said, well, I sat down with uh, somebody. It could have been you, because I wasn't sure who he was. He said, well, I just want to tell you, we're just working things out like you wouldn't want <coughs> just like gangbusters. They listen to me, I listen to them, we're getting along great. I said, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I love that. I just love that. It's that simple. They listen to me, I listen to them, we're getting along just great. So this week I also began considering other ways in which conversations can happen naturally with a little bit of effort on your part. Consider wearing a Would Jesus Discriminate t-shirt. I wear this and people will turn to me at the grocery store and say, what does that mean? Jesus loves all people? What's this Resurrection MCC thing? It's a great way to start conversations. Or how about taking our fabulous cobalt blue coffee mugs to work? Or consider putting a bumper sticker on your car. Or like my husband, a few bumper stickers. <laughs> consider posting something on Facebook, on your Facebook wall, saying what you enjoyed most about this Sunday's worship service or about an event you're attending in the community or at church. Maybe you'd consider inviting someone to Resurrection for Easter. I printed postcards, and they are available at all the sanctuary entrances. 
take one or two with you, mail it to a friend that you think could use some encouragement, or keep one with you for just that right time when you know someone needs it. Invite them out to lunch afterwards. These are just a couple of ideas, but if you're being mindful, you will hear that still, small voice of God that will give you those little nudges of encouragement when those opportunities arise in your life. Resurrection, I believe we have been uniquely created and called by God at this specific time in the history of Christianity to share our particular belief about our faith. The message I most frequently hear on TV, the internet, in the news from self-identified Christians is one that I find opposite to the message that we read in the Gospels. We are the Samaritan woman. Jesus has sought us out. Sometimes when people are getting to know me, I'm talking about my life, my husband, my family, and then when I come out as working at a church, their faces will change. They'll ask, you're Christian? <laughs> and I find myself embarrassed. I'll even say, well, probably not like the kind of Christian that maybe, you know, you think that I am, maybe not exactly like that. But I don't want to do that. I want to be proud of being a Christian. But we need to reclaim that. To do so, I want to get Christianity back on track, back to the teachings of Jesus. Isn't that what this is all about? I believe we need to share our faith and our lives with the people that we connect with each day. Discussing our lives, our struggles, our faith as members or friends of resurrection, as LGBTQ folks or straight allies, that's how I know we can shift the future of Christianity. That's how I know we can change the world. I believe we are called by God to share the amazing gifts, the unique journey that we have been so lovingly given. Amen.